0: Talk Radio. Good afternoon, tennis fans. Welcome to the Yellow Ball Network, where you'll find your tennis news. This is your host, Coach Denise, exploring tennis blessings and its effects on life's journey. Tennis is a wonderful sport, which could be the vehicle that takes you through life's journey. And our mentors might provide that roadmap for your journey. On most Thursdays, I am blessed to be talking with mentors who have paved the pathway for many tennis players and coaches, Uh, mentors like Alan Fox, uh, Coach Chuck Reese, Dr., Bryce Young, uh, Energy Coach Linda LeClaire, Coach Ashley Hopson, Coach Scott Williams, uh, Coach Ed Crass, uh, well, I could go on and on. And coaches like today's uh, Coach Johnny Angel, so it's um, we are blessed to be uh, having conversations with many mentors who are willing to give back and share their knowledge with you. And that's an important thing. I think it was the Dalai Lama that says, sharing your knowledge is a way to achieve mortality. Uh, I think most of these people will remember for a little while because I am blessed to be uh, talking with them on most Thursdays. Although this is going to be the last uh, broadcast uh weekly broadcast, I should say we're gone during the summer months uh the mentors have taken my advice, and uh we're taking the uh, summer off spend time with our families, like I suggest you make sure you have time with your families, and uh, we'll only be doing one broadcast a month. uh we don't have the first broadcast uh, set up yet when I get into our commentary later on. You will see uh, why. Hopefully, uh, we will have uh, something uh, going on. But once a month, we will do a uh, broadcast until the end of summer, and then we'll get uh, the Almighty will, and we'll get back to our normal uh, broadcast again. Of course, the nice thing about Block Talk Radio and the Yellow Ball Network is that you can listen at any time you choose to the broadcast. To my broadcast or any of the other broadcasts. Uh, for instance, on most Wednesdays, you'll find uh, Chuck Reese in his American uh, tennis broadcast. On uh, Sundays, there's the Coaches Corner with Randy Blumenthal. And I would like to uh, thank the Yellow Ball CEO, JP Weber, for hosting our network. And quite frankly, if you're not following We Coach Tennis on uh, Facebook, Well, you're missing out on some useful information. Because I do believe Dr. King, when he said our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter, each Thursday I will add my personal views on North American tennis, and naturally you will hear my biased views that the tennis journey should be going through our high schools and colleges. Um, We will i uh, I've been asked, and i, I well I am gonna take the time off uh I've had a few people ask me, can I still do my commentaries on Thursdays? I won't do them on the broadcast, but I will publish the commentaries uh on uh, Facebook every uh thursday uh, hopefully. Uh, besides our weekly conversation, the Almighty willing, you will be able to continue reading my articles in Florida Tennis Magazine, and as I previously expressed, if you disagree, please email me at coachdenise.fhstca at Who knows, you may read your views in Florida Tennis uh, Magazine or hear them Uncoaxing uh, these Sharon Tennis blessing broadcast. It would not be the first time. And while I'm at it, I'd like you to remember that if someone has taken the last issue of Florida Tennis from your pro shop, you can always see the last issue of the magazine by going to www.floridatennis.com. Uh, and in between issues, uh, you can find Jim Marks uh, and myself and other uh, things on the uh, Facebook and t- Twitter site uh, because things are going on all the time in uh, tennis, and uh, we try to keep you informed uh, in between uh, issues of the magazine. Uh, the issue is it should be out. This week, I haven't received my uh, uh, copy yet, uh, but uh, uh, we talk about the school systems and education, and uh, uh, Jim March says I'm not going to make everybody happy, but uh, I think as long as we can discuss things, uh, you know, that's the important thing. I'm going to give you my biased views, and uh, I do believe in listening to each other and uh, if we do that, I think we can all learn a lot more. Uh, I would like to uh, start with my commentary now. I do see uh, uh, our uh, mentor on today, Johnny uh, Angel. Uh, let me just make sure he's there. Johnny, are you I'm there? Here. Johnny I'm here, John. You're good, thank you. I'll introduce you in a couple of minutes, okay? I okay. want to do the commentary of June twentieth, uh, uh, and uh, what it's about this uh, weekend. Uh, I uh, this past weekend I read in there, uh quote unquote, uh, "When has that worked in the past?" Uh, question mark, ever? Question mark, end uh, of quotes. Uh, and uh, that's what this uh, commentary is about. So here goes my commentary. On June uh, 14, 2019, the publisher <laughs> of Tennis Club Business, Rich Knitter, asked the above question when expressing his dissatisfaction with the USTA and his focus, quote-unquote, focus, USTA, USPTA. Yeah. Hold their feet to the FIRE article. The article listed eight points USPTA Executive Director John Emery made in a video for all its USPTA members. Uh, Having worked with John in the past on high school tennis solutions, I appreciate John's willingness to advance educational positions I respect his views on that like he does, and I respect his tireless effort to promote the goodwill of the USPTA. But like Rich Neer, uh, I agree that uh, we need to ask that question that he put in there, quote, quote should you trust our governing body to do anything that is just great for tennis, end of quote. I do suggest you read the Tennis Club Business article and digest all eight points. But if I may, I would like to give my biased views on just a few of the eight points that Richard uh, and Richard remarks too. While I agree the most focused USTA, USPTA hold their feet to the fire article, uh, but I must question the reliability of that one Lake Nona Stafford, uh, he quoted, who insisted, uh, uh, insinuated, that the object here is to push the PTR professionals out of business. While some have questioned the USTA executives' decisions in the past, it is inconceivable to me to believe that their thinking could be that forced the world's largest coaching organization out. And I believe the only certified coaching organization, if I'm not be- believe, out of business. Those of you reading past articles in Florida Tennis Magazine or listening regularly to my Block Talk Radio broadcast know that I am a thirty plus year member of the USTA and PTR. And when my son asked me to join him in starting the John Denise School of Tennis, it was the USPTR we joined because at that time, a long time ago, uh, it was not a good old boys' network, but it was a teaching organization. Those of you who listen to Coach Denise exploring tennis blessings on the Yellow Ball Network have heard me express my views that if I was young again and looking to grow tennis, I would most likely join both the PTR and the USPTA, but when we joined, it was all about tennis education. Admittedly, the PTR is family to me. It is no longer USPTR because it is now a worldwide organization. Although my time on the tennis courts are limited to mostly volunteering and lecturing for organizations, it is knowing I can still look to the PTR if needed to provide the comfort level that I need. Yes, like many family members, I am biased. But I still believe it's the best coaching organization, and the emphasis is still on education. In last week's commentary, I asked, is it time we examine who we are and what we are capable of? What I was talking about is the growth of tennis through our efforts of local tennis pros, is my point was I was trying to make was my point was that, our, that us local tennis pros who grow the game of tennis are the people that made this happen. It was us local teaching pros who volunteered in the USTA schools programs and once had the USTA team tennis as a competitive tennis program. I respect John Embry and appreciate him looking out for his organization, but this needs further examination. It is, it is mine and others' opinion that we need open discussions with our organizations, not just complaining, but listening to what they have to say. Maybe this would be one of those good topics for one of those broadcast discussions I talked about last week. I think it would be your advantage. That's my commentary. Let me just say, going into, you saw me, you heard me read in it, which I usually don't do, but I did my my commentary earlier than normal because I did send it out to John Emery, and I did send it out to the PTR uh, executive uh, uh, director. Um, Yeah, boy. Short-term memories He's getting uh, bad. <clears throat> Excuse me, Dan Santorum. And I just wanted to make sure that I had my information correct. I, I do not conduct an I got you program. Uh, I try hard. I'm still searching for the, the truth all these years, but I. Work real hard at making sure I'm not telling a lie nowhere. So I did send it to them uh, Both of them did respond to me uh, I did ask Both of them to uh, come on A broadcast like we uh, Many of us think we should Do with an open discussion and Maybe with the USTA uh, To discuss neither one Of them wanted to make other comments Which uh, other than what uh, Rich had uh, Covered so uh we will wait and see what happens. Uh, our mentor today is a person that I know, uh, and we go back quite frankly a long way. Uh, Johnny Angel is uh, president of Professional Tennis Services Incorporation, uh, which is based in here in Florida. He has over 40 years of experience in coaching high-performance uh, players and he has produced players in the top 50 in the WTA and the ATP. Um, so uh, he's a person that uh, I think uh, with the topic I wanted to talk uh, about tonight is behavior coaching. And he has a passion for these He's uh, spoken at other uh, conventions before. Uh, John's... Uh, University disciplines are in uh, uh, comparative psychology, applied behavior analysis. uh, uh, And uh, last time I knew he was still attending the University of South Florida, uh, primarily to uh, stay abreast of the behavior uh, coaching. Uh, He has uh, spoken, some of the people that he has worked with and spoken have also been on the Discovery, CBS, NBC, and National Geographic. So we have somebody that knows uh, the topic. And Johnny, I uh, and those of you that don't know, at one time when I said I was a member, we were the USPTR before there was the PTR. We used to have section presidents. I was the second president of the. Uh, USPTR Florida section, Johnny Angel followed me as the third president, and I suspect, and Johnny, you can tell me if I'm wrong or add anything to it, but I suspect it was about that time that the PTR was thinking about going universal rather than just national, and we've done away with the uh, state organizations, which uh, personally, I think there's pros and cons, with, but... uh, uh, Johnny, I think your topic tonight is very important. Uh, if you have any comments about my commentary, um, you could address that. But I, again, I'd like to get—I'd like you to make believe that you're in one of the classes now, and you just take over the program and talk about the subject matter. But like <laughs> I said, if you have to make a comment on what I talked about, um, you know, you can do that. But I think your subject is a very important one.
1: Well, you know, I, I have been in the P T R or the PTR now for like you for uh, three decades or more. And uh, it has always been a family like to me. Uh, I see things a little bit differently. I see things that um, are disturbing and I see things that are really cool you know, that are really moving forward. So it has its good parts and its bad parts. Um, As far as this, we've always had this um, uh, rivalry, should I say, with the USPTA and PTR. And quite frankly, I think that rivalry is counterproductive. I think we should all be working for the same ends uh, to keep the game going and keep the game going. And uh, not one individual group has a license on what's the best way to do it, um, and that I can tell you. So in my, my opinion, I'll, I'll give you an example. Okay, in behavioral coaching is basically using operant principles that um, is used in applied behavioral analysis to uh, teach fine motor uh, – in the acquisition of teaching fine motor skills um, – we have a lot of data on this. We, uh, evidence based coaching, behavioral coaching, we have had a, in tennis alone, uh, a 51% increase in uh, acquisition of a fine motor skill using operant principles. Now, operant principles uh, is Used to be viewed as a three-term contingency, like antecedent behavior and consequence. Um, antecedent is what uh, triggers the behavior, and consequence is what follows. That went on uh, with B.F. Skinner, and that's uh, you know has been going on for years and years. And then we added. Um, uh, I'm trying to find a colloquial way of doing this so I don't lose your audience so they don't go to sleep. Um, we added two things to it. One was the f- physical condition of the athlete or the organism and the motivational variables. Athletes, um, when they are acquiring new complex skills, will their behavior will break down uh, and the acquisition will break down uh, for... One or two reasons. One is to avoid an aversive stimulus or it's deprivation of some sort of reinforcement. And that's where uh, functional analysis comes in. Now, having said that, let me jump back. Uh, Behavior, when we're working with kids um, in players, uh, especially high-performance players, we generally deal with behavior in a four quadrants, which is R+, which is positive reinforcement negative reinforcement, positive punishment, and negative punishment. Uh, In this scenario, the plus means you're just adding something, uh, and the minus, you're taking some away. Uh, So how does that fit into the scheme of things? Well, if you create an athlete who is, one, if you look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, if you look at the base of the foundation, the foundational things. We want an athlete that is, can just about do 80% of one RM and uh, is physically fit. Once they're physically fit, they can uh, the acquisition of the skill is a lot easier to learn. And we don't fight with uh, neural hormones as much. In other words, you have a guy out there who's not physically fit and he's playing a match. He's in the third set, and all of a sudden he starts to freak out on you. You start to see the rackets throwing. Once he gets into fight or flight, you can forget it because it takes at least 45 minutes to an hour before the uh, glucocorticoids dissolve. And the guy, the first thing that goes is his cognitive ability. So you might as well just uh, Katie, bar the, Katie bar the door. It's over. Um so how does the average coach uh i shouldn't say average how does a uh, a coach that's in his program deal with behavioral uh uh behavioral coaching issues and evidence based coaching um, one uh this will probably everyone will disagree, but actually we have data on this and it's actually quite successful is that you coach the whole player, that's one. Number two, if a player has a propensity to want to be a baseline player, if I try to make him um, a servant volleyer and he doesn't wanna do that, he will never take ownership of that. He will never take ownership of it and the results will be relatively uh, non-existent. I mean, they can be good, but they'll never be world class. However, if I if I respect what he does as a player and uh, create the game and teach him the game around the way that he likes to play, uh, and add these other things in uh, at uh, at a convenient time, and I use the word convenient in in probably not the way you think I'm using it, but at a time that is um, precisely the right moment to add something in, he will turn out to be uh, a much finer player and a much happier player. Okay. I mean, tennis is a game that you learn a lifetime. You just don't learn it, you know, like when you're 16 and it's like all over. So having said that, so how do we do this? I mean, how how do we behaviorally coach a player? I'll give you a cool example used to have some guys that would go to practice and this was not tennis by the way Uh, uh, this was another sport and the penalty for being late for practice was uh, you had to run laps the entire practice so they said okay here we go we have this punishment uh, protocol in place and that's going to work well guess what the ones that didn't feel like practicing that they didn't mind running all those laps so it was like totally counterproductive um, so what we did was, is we, uh, looked at, uh, some different variables. We, uh, one, we, uh, get a, a, relationship started with the player on a personal level. A lot of people will say that's not a good thing. Well, it's, it is the only thing. If you can't respect the player as an individual and respect him as a person, You'll never be up for coaching. If he doesn't respect you, that'll never happen. Either. Uh, back and forth. Um, it's a two way street. Then we uh, move on and we um, start to work on skill acquisition. And that's based upon actual numbers. In other words, if you're hitting, uh, if you're in practice and I have you playing a guy uh, in a practice match and we're taking data and you're missing, let's say, um, 32% of your forehands. um, 32% of your forehands. What happens, uh, is we'll take that data and the video, and then we will start to work on that particular area, uh, against that type of a player. And then it gets broken down even deeper and deeper. And that is what was the trajectory of the ball? What kind of spin was on the ball, you know, uh, and on and on and on Now So Who would you think John Is a good example of a player that Has some behavioral problems on the court
0: Well the, other, uh, the obvious One would, would be The uh, Australian uh, uh, Player uh, I can't think of his name now But A uh, young player Fantastic skills but Uh, He's always has behavioral problems and he'll he'll try crazy things in between his legs and switching hands and I can't think of (laughs) it. What about Osaka? Do
1: you think Osaka has some behavioral issues?
0: Well, yeah.
1: Yep. Okay. And so how would you address it before it gets out of control? Ever notice that when she plays? Did you ever see that clip of her when she was on the sideline at that major? No, it wasn't a major. It was, uh, I think it was in uh, South Carolina where she, um, they were telling her to toughen up and all these types of things. And, uh, you know, this is what we worked for. Did you see that clip where the coach was uh, in between basically begging her to continue? She didn't want to continue. She wanted to stop playing.
0: Yeah, I did. Yeah, it's one of those clips that you, you, you don't forget. Uh, there's a couple of clips. Feelings, uh, I, I think I have mixed feelings about coaching uh, during the event. There's a couple of uh, uh, videos of a few people that makes you
1: know I wonder about it. Um, I thought, in my opinion that it never should have got to that. So there was probably a lot of indicators and behavioral indicators that were probably showing up in practice and uh, that they could have started addressing that a lot earlier. Now, having said all that, the uh, we use a lot of positive reinforcement and we use a lot of teaching through acoustical guidance, which is called TAG for short. And what it is, is, is we'll use a bridging stimulus, which can be either a click or a verbal marker by where the player is shown the correct stroke. The click only comes or the verbal marker only comes when the stroke is correct. OK, nothing is mm-hmm. said in between that and nothing is said in between that and you'll would be surprised on how many players make the adjustment on a subcortical level or uh, subcortical means uh, like subconscious level versus cortical, which is like, I'm aware of it. How many of them make the uh, adjustment uh, on their own? And uh, we find that learning is strengthened that way and that it works. Uh, uh, it works really, really well. Now it works so well that Teaching through acoustical guidance, I have a colleague <coughs> excuse me, who uh, is actually teaching neurosurgeons using that method, and their efficiency is up by about 37%. So we're learning new things all the time, on how high-performance athletes and high-performance uh, people were inv- involved in a high-performance profession function. Um, however, with junior tennis, I think, in the early stages of professional tennis, We're spending too much time not thinking on the, thinking about the process and too much about the results. I don't know how you feel about that.
0: No, I agree. I think some people gave, give in to the pressure of their parents. I think un, unfortunately, we watch TV and in a half an hour, we solve a problem, so why isn't my child getting better and So the coach knows, well, there's something I can make him look better soon, but is that the process you should be going with? I agree with you
1: 100%. Well, you know, even in baseball, uh, there was a guy that was an outfielder that got cut from the, uh, I forget which team it was. It was either the Mets or uh, one of those teams on the East Coast. He had been catching, he was a center fielder and been catching the ball a certain way for a long time. When the game was on the line, he missed the ball two or three times, and the coach said, well, why didn't we teach him to catch it the right way? You know, and that's what happens in tennis as well. Kids get along, to get further on down the line, and what worked when they were in the minors or what worked when they were playing junior tennis doesn't necessarily work any longer on the uh, pro tour or the beginnings of the pro tour. <coughs> <coughs> Excuse me. So to take you back to a typical working with a female on the tour type player, um, a typical day for us is uh, we do do two-a-days. We do them outside. We do do them uh, when it's hot out because that's when most of the matches are played, the big-time matches. And um, the players that I work with um, actually make conscious – I empower them to make conscious decisions in their training. And it's important to me what they think is right. And then I have the kind of relationship with them where we can look at data and say, hey, you know, that isn't as right as you think it is. Your perception is is wrong, you know. And when you keep things on an even keel like that, you get far better results. Now, do I use a lot of R+, positive reinforcement? Absolutely. That's what we're all about. But positive reinforcement is more than just saying, "Hey, hey, honey, everything is okay. Don't worry, you'll get it in next time. That's not how you do it, okay. Positive reinforcement needs and needs to be sincere and and it has to happen within a second or two after the uh, behaviors exhibit behaviors done. You can't delay the reinforcement for uh, half an hour and say oh this was that because then it just becomes a conversation but if I'm teaching you a very complex motor pattern and you're working on it and I'm only giving you a verbal marker that is right when it's right and you're working this out by yourself on a subcortical level and a cortical level then the results are going to be a lot uh, a lot better
0: sometimes hard that can me. be such a short uh, thing too. I mean, some like I use the phrase a lot, and sometimes don't ask me, parents will ask me else. I'll say that's a that's a good miss, and the, the oh, first reaction sometimes is, how could it be good? I missed it. Well, what? was the decision the right decision? Was the person going for the right shot? So sure. you know, yeah, there's ways of the uh, putting that positive. It always doesn't have to be. You know, uh, uh, that's all right. That's all right. Sometimes I think that's the worst thing we could do.
1: Well, players do know when you are shining them on. You know, there's no right. doubt about that. Yeah. And the uh, I have a lot of – I've always – I've been in the same place for 26 years. And people say to me, well, why don't you – why do you – Go to this parks, and why aren't you in a big country club or in an academy? Because, in my opinion, I can take a kid off the basketball court and, uh, or off the soccer field, and if he's athletic, I can, and he wants to, I can make him a tennis player. Now, what does that have to do with everything else? Uh, going back to your commentary, that's where the effort should be being pushed with uh, the PTA and the PTR. Um, back to that commentary again. Uh, the I don't need somebody telling me after 26 years that they can run my business better than I can. Kind right. of get where I'm going with that? Yeah.
0: Yeah. No. Uh, uh, and I think that's the thing they haven't figured out. Yet either, I mean, when you've done the accomplishments you have and now is the question just going to one more certification, is that going to make you better? Or And that education, I mean, I work with Human Kinetics to form the first in the nation uh, uh, coaching thing because a tennis pro doesn't necessarily be a good uh, high school coach. So I'm all for sure. education but sometimes i you know I, I do question do we need 6489 different certifications
1: yeah and you know the i'm i'm probably <laughs> i got to laugh i because i have two caps when i put on the coaching cap that's one cap when i put on my and get into my professorial role Uh, that kind of blows people away, Uh, you know, because I, I got to see data and I got to see the empirical scientific evidence. If you tell me that a player is 100 in the world and they're losing this point at every point uh, at this particular point in the match, then I got to see the data. We got to see the film, see the data. and You know, we got to get to the root cause of why it's happening. The, using operant principles is how we get behavior change. Basically, that's why we use it. Now, but it also facilitates, using operant principles, acquisition of fine motor skills. Okay, so why wouldn't we want to do that? Because often times today, and this has kind of in with your commentary in the educational portion of it, we're relying too much on experience in the past and not enough of what science has taken us to the future with. And um, now a lot of the science that I'm telling you about right now, are plus, or minus, all of that. Skinner did that like back in the thirties and forties, but it's changed a lot though. It was just a road map for us to get there. Now, how effective is it? Well, I'll tell you. I did have some friends that um, do things at zoos and we had a gorilla. So, you know, I don't know if you realize that lowland gorillas have the same uh, Cardiovascular diseases and uh, illnesses that humans have. So mm-hmm. they used to have to they used to have to anesthetize a gorilla uh, in order to do a electrocardiogram. So what did we do? Well, we used operant principles R plus in target training and got the gorilla to put his hands through some stirrups and it uh, with a mild sedative put his chest. To do the electrocardiogram, to do the the and uh, without anesthetizing them and running the risk of killing. It. So we know uh, my friend, as I mentioned earlier, that's working with surgeons and perfecting their skills. Um, is using the uh, uh, using a, a bridging stimulus or a marker to help them learn complex skills. And as I said, you know, the percentages, like, they're doing really well, man. It's just, like, phenomenal. So we know we're on the right track. But how do we translate and make all of this um, palatable for the average coach? How do we tell someone that's doing it for 30 years, who does basically a really good job, that we need to kind of move you ahead a little bit and put you in the next generation, so we get more people involved in the game. Does that make right. sense? Oh yes, definitely. Are you there?
0: Yes, definitely. I said I I agree.
1: Hey John, I remember
0: going there? to New Jersey about you know, three or four years ago and seeing the play site and work and thinking about the days with the John Denise School of Tennis when I was traveling in one direction of Florida. Hello, my son John. Traveling. Yes. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Johnny, are you there? Johnny? Johnny, go on. Can you hear me? Johnny? Johnny, are you there? Can you hear me? Johnny damn it coach can you hear me coach Darn it. I'm Johnny, are you there? Johnny, are you there? Johnny, are you there? Your call did not go through. Please try your call. 151 T. Your call did not go through. Johnny, are you there? Johnny, are you there? Johnny, are you there? Johnny, are you there? there? John Johnny, are you there? Johnny, are you there? Hello, hello. John, are you there? John, are you there? John, are you there? Johnny, are you there? Johnny, are you still there? Welcome to Blog Talk Radio. Please hold and you'll be able to listen to the show. Hello? Johnny, are you there? Johnny, are you there? Johnny, are you there? Hello? Hello, Johnny, are you still there? Johnny, are you there? Johnny, are you there? Johnny, are you there? Hello? Oh,
1: well.